Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right, my friend. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, questions, feedback, adoration, and praise. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com is that email address. You can connect with us on social. So long as our friends at these social media giants allow you to do that, which I got a comment yet yesterday, um, and, and I understand that there was, a, for those of you that listen on Freedom 95, there was a, I guess, a, uh, a technical glitch here um, between, well, the, the studio had issues that they were working through yesterday, I believe. I believe we are all good to go now on that. Oz is giving me the thumbs up, so... By the way, should you ever miss one of these programs, and once you get through the initial shock of that, and once you uh, you know just get through the initial uh, initial remorse involved in missing this program, you can always go and uh, listen to the podcast. It's totally free, and you can check it out by going to toddhuffshow dot com slash listen, and you can find or slash podcast too, I think, and you can find different ways to listen to the program. Download it on Apple Podcasts, whatever, and you can catch anything you may you may have uh, missed. So again, apologize for whatever technical issue happened yesterday. But yesterday we talked about for those of you that listen on Freedom ninety five podcast listeners or people that watch on uh, social media channels, hang in there with free, uh, with me for a minute because I'm going to rehash just a bit. Not not rehash. That's not what I wanted. AOC's. Blaring on my. Uh. But I also want to make sure. Okay. So yesterday we talked about Gwen Berry. Gwen Berry is the athlete who is. Um, she's a hammer thrower. And some folks may not even know what that is. Um, it's an Olympic event. The, you know, it's got the ball on the end of that chain. They spin in circles and they throw that sucker down the uh down the field and she finished third at the Olympic trials and um she was on the podium for finishing third. She qualified to go to the Olympic Games which are in Tokyo here in about a month, I think. Something like that. Maybe 3 weeks now. And uh when she was on the podium, she stood and turned her back to the flag while she was standing already. She just turned. Um, she said that she was surprised the anthem was playing. And I did. I, I didn't get this correct at first until I read it again. Um, and, and I pointed that out, that that was apparently they were only playing the anthem at certain times. So it was scheduled to play throughout the day. 
but it wasn't necessarily supposed to play when anyone in particular was on the podium, but just the way that it worked out, she was stuck on the podium. Stuck on the podium. I mean, th- th- I'm just trying to tell you what she's, how she's uh, trying to present this. She's the one. She she feels like she was the one that was put in a bad position because the anthem play, <laughs> the anthem played. It's just bizarre to me. The anthem played while she's on the podium, which newsflash, Olympic Games, podiums, and national anthems go hand in hand. Do they not? I mean, this and flags. If if you don't like the flag, if you don't like the national anthem, um, if you don't like the country that you are representing, um, this might pose a problem for for you. And so she did this. She put her T-shirt over her head at one point, and the T-shirt read activist athlete or athlete activist, something like that. And um, she's faced some, some pushback, and so we talked about that yesterday. I made some some comments, and actually I got a, I got a comment somewhere that I'm going to read here, read here quickly, because I find this I find this fascinating, really. Now, if you say that you are, as she has, that she is fighting systemic racism, is it not to me? If you believe your country, your nation, is inherently, fundamentally, systematically, systemically racist, I believe it's fair to say, I think it's a very logical conclusion that one can draw to say that the person who says that hates their country as it's founded. Isn't that, this, is that not synonymous? If, for example, there are things about this country, and it's not so much the country as much as it is um, some of the decisions that people have made on behalf of this country that I don't like. I don't like and I don't agree with, for example, um, the issue of, say, abortion. I believe that it's without any doubt, and science is on my side, by the way, science is, is on the side of those of us who are pro-life, the radical left wants to tell conservatives that they're anti-science and all these sorts of things on any other issue. When it comes to masks, for example, which now Fauci says that herd immunity is now 90%. He's gone about as high as he can go. Although, although if he's talking primarily to leftists today, they're the only ones that pretty much listen to this guy. If you're listening to Fauci and if he knows that the people listening to him don't have much of an idea on basic math, he might start saying it's over 100%, and people might not in agreement with that. We need, In order to reach herd immunity, we need 110% um, of, of people to have gotten the vaccine or have antibodies uh, from this virus, and people might not along with that. I mean, those are the folks listening that are left in that crowd anyway. But, 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 this, this whole issue here with... Um, with, with with abortion, this is an example, um, which again, pro pro science, life begins at conception. It's undeniable, hundred percent undeniable. Life begins at conception. So if I, I am pro life, and I think that policies that allow for the killing of innocent life is, I think that's reprehensible. I do. I think that that is 
morally reprehensible. So, but what I, what doesn't, what I don't do, if, for example, I was an Olympic athlete, who, by the way, the Olympics, the Olympics are a sporting event where athletes from different countries around the world compete to represent their country, right? They, they, they compete to represent your country, their own country. And so if you're going to represent your country, um, to me at some point in time, it stands to reason that you at least are proud of something with your country. And I don't see this happening. I tell you who definitely doesn't do this because there would be awful repercussions or people, um, say, from China, for example. You won't see any turning of the back to the flag or whatever. And if you do, that, by the way, would be real real courage, by the way. But this this whole notion of saying, I hate my country because of something going on in it or something I think is going on in it or whatever, so I'm going to show disdain for the you know something that represents it is foreign to me so i'm pro-life i think pro-choice policies are reprehensible when they lead to the life uh, to the termination of unborn life and i but i wouldn't think of kneeling during the anthem to make to make that point but this for some reason to those who believe that america is system, uh, systemically racist this becomes the go-to move, the go-to protest. And so to me, it stands to reason, if you hate your country as it was founded, as it was, or if you have such a problem with its systemic, you know, the way that the systems were built, if you say this is beyond repair, we've got we to throw everything out. This is so corrupt and so terrible that there's nothing that can be done to fix it. That, to me, suggests that you hate your country. I think that that's a logical thing to um, – you, you are disrespecting and showing, you know, just disgust with the national symbols, the flag, the national anthem, whatever else. And you're doing that in a public way to bring issues to light that are, again, systemic something that is fundamentally flawed with this country. If our nation was a, for example, now see I'm a little bit different than maybe some of these folks that are well probably a whole lot different than some of these folks that are not respecting the anthem and and flag and so forth. But I would hate if this nation were founded upon communist principles. I would hate a nation that told me that I could not worship God, that the government in fact was God. I would hate a a society i would i would want to radically change something that uh, takes away tries to take away our freedom even though so those freedoms come from god not from government i would hate living in a place like that and so i think if if i grew up of course it's hard to say how we would react if we grew up living in an uh, oppressive say soviet style government um, but I know the the yearnings of the heart is that, and that's for man to be free. And I would hate that. I would truly would hate that. And so, but I get this comment that says she never says she hates America. But isn't that what all of her actions seem to indicate? If you say that you 
fundamentally well, hate, believe that this country is evil. I mean, that's effectively what that means. How is that not what that means? I just, if you say this, this nation is fundamentally flawed and fundamentally racist and beyond repair, how can you not say that that's something, how, how can one like that country? These are pretty bold statements. This guy says, I'm the Joker. You are the Joker, sir. I appreciate the the fine, uh, the recognition of my wittiness and humor. But nonetheless, dissent and protest is patriotic, he writes. Dissent and protest is patriotic. I never said she couldn't do this. I always, I love how the, the conversation shifts. The conversation shifts when someone is doing something using their freedoms to express an idea that I don't agree with or that, say, the vast majority of Americans don't agree with. I didn't say she couldn't do it, although although the U.S. Olympic Committee, which so far as I can tell is not part of the government, should be able to say, look, if you're going to represent your country, you're going to follow certain rules and you're going to at least show some respect to your nation. You're not going to make a mockery of, of your nation if you want to be a part of what we're doing here. Um, that seems like not necessarily the worst thing in the world to me, but he's right here that dissent and protest is, is a good, I mean, well, we ought to be able to do that. I'm not suggesting it's not, but it's, it's like, if you say something idiotic, don't come to me and say, Hey man, free speech. You got to respect. Well, yeah, yeah, you, you have free speech, but we're not talking about that. I'm not saying you couldn't say it. I'm just saying you shouldn't say it because it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Don't change the subject here and say to me that, oh, man, free speech, free dissent, dissent. Well, what is she dissenting about? Don't tell me that someone who feels this strongly against her country doesn't have a lot of, I mean, at least anger. And I would maintain hatred for this nation as as founded. And, and by the way, if it's as evil of a place as uh, folks like this are saying that it is. I don't necessarily disagree that there shouldn't be hatred. I'm just maintaining that this is not reality, that this is not fundamentally a flawed nation. In fact, I would go as far to say it is the antithesis of that. Not perfect, but a nation that is that once it's come onto the world stage, it it has done massive amounts of good for average people around the world, not just its own citizens. It has raised the level, the standard of living, prosperity, the, uh, you know, the length of life. Look at the advancements that have come from this nation. You look at the promotion of freedom and the individual, people being citizens and not subjects. On down the line, the rights of the individual, opportunity, people that can now actually move between, I don't like to use the term classes, but just People can move from different economic classes, if you will, because of the freedom to basically start with little in this country and change things, even for generations in your family. That possibility exists in ways that it never has before. I just, I don't agree here, and I'll finish the comment uh, that this individual left me here. Stop whining, he, <laughs> he writes, and get over it. Okay, I'm not whining. I'm just saying it's it's silly and repre. I mean, I, I'm gonna say reprehensible. I just, it's just, 
it's it's you're representing your country. This again, explain to me how in modern times there is systemic problems in our uh, in our culture and, and government. In, in the cases that there are, in the cases where there is, there are you know officers that are abusing. Uh, their power against any person, but whatever, black, white, then they need to be held accountable. But to say that there's systemic problems and that this is beyond repair and the only way to fix this, which when you get down to it, what Black Lives Matter's leaders want is for us to become radical. I mean, the, the leaders are Marxists. They want us to be communists. I know folks don't want to accept that, but that is, they are, they've self-identified as such. They self-identified as much. I guess I should get over the fact that they're trying to push radical leftist ideology and, and, in fact, even radical communism on the American people. I also pointed out that what is she going to do should she end up on the podium and the, the Chinese national anthem plays, a country that truly oppresses its people, by the way. Is she going to kneel for that? This guy, This guy says that, hey, you know, she doesn't have that experience of oppression firsthand – nor does her generational lineage. So basically, she shouldn't be held responsible. She probably should stay in, I guess, in um, in respect for the Chinese national anthem. She can't personally relate to that. So I guess we should only stand against injustices that happen to us, I guess, is what this gentleman is trying to to say here. The timing was misleading, he writes, the timing of the anthem, and caught her off guard is what she says. Why should we not believe? I'm not saying I don't believe her. She was there. Yeah, she was there. We saw her. We saw her on video. We saw her acting petulant, I think, in my opinion, and a little bit um, a little bit ridiculous. It doesn't anger me. I, this is not the first time that we've seen stuff like this. It's just interesting to see how how people come down on this. I'm not saying she shouldn't, well, that she shouldn't legally be able to protest her country. I'm just saying that it is an empty, they need to articulate what she's protesting. Because to say this country is systemically flawed and cannot be changed is something that I reject completely, 100%. This country has had terrible things in its past. And you know what? This country has changed those things. It has changed those things. So, anyway, that's what we talked about yesterday, but again. Well, and now the White House, Jen Psaki had some things. I'll play that next segment, but Jen Psaki is, is talking about President Biden's position on, on this and, and so forth. And I'll play that after the break. But we talked about this yesterday, and I just wanted to, to kind of fill in some, some things, especially since I got some comments uh, about this, this particular one, someone who doesn't agree with me. By, by the way, when you write me, you don't have to agree with me. We can still be friends I mean, as long as you handle it at least somewhat decently. But I got to take time out really long in this segment. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, host Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Friends, by the way, program brought to you in part, in part by Greg Hubler Chevy. Greg Hubler Chevy.com. 
in Canby, not far from Indianapolis, down Kentucky Avenue, State Road 67. Greg's also got some dealerships uh, in the northern part of uh, this this listening area, Muncie, Marion. We were actually um, actually at Greg's yesterday, family and I. Greg Hubler, Chevy.com, 317-831-0770. So, Jen Psaki, circling back, I'm sure, on all sorts of things yesterday at a press conference, was asked by Peter Ducey of Fox News. She, he was, she was asked about President Joe Biden's uh, position, I guess, what he thought about this athlete, Gwen Berry, and what she did on the, the podium here. And I want to move on from this, but I wanted to play this as well. Um, because again, what what the left likes to do here is they like to conflate things. And I want to point out what she says here and and point out that that's not what Gwen Berry says that she's actually protesting here. So let's let's listen to the question and and the answer here. And Barry, who hopes to represent the United States as an Olympian on the hammer throwing uh, events, won a bronze medal at the trials, and then she turned her back on the flag while the anthem played. Does President Biden think that is appropriate behavior for someone who hopes to represent Team USA? Well, uh, Peter, I, I haven't spoken to the president specifically about this, but I know he's incredibly proud to be an American uh, and has great respect for the anthem and all that it represents, especially for our men and women serving in uniform all around the world. He would also say, of course, that part of that pride in our country means recognizing there are moments where we are, as a country haven't lived up to our highest ideals, and it means respecting the right of people granted to them in the Constitution to peacefully protest. Okay, now she said there the president would recognize, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's something very close to this, that there have been moments, emphasis, mine, there, were, there have been moments in Americans, America's history where we've not lived up to our ideals, and so people can protest. Now, wait a second. That's not what she's protesting. Gwen Berry is not protesting moments. She is protesting the systemic problems. See, words mean things, Jen Psaki. No matter how many times you circle back or run away from the question, they, they mean things. And if you say... You fundamentally have disdain for the systemic problems of this country. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're just repeated. It means they're part of the system. It means that it is part of the fabric of this culture and this society and this government and this, I mean, everything, our economic system. It's not just that an event happened or something reprehensible happened, which everyone acknowledges has happened in the history of this great, history of this great nation. There were problems. There were problems that the early states had when it came to slavery that were systemic problems. They were, but they have been fixed. To say that there is a systemic problem, something that's wrong with the very foundations and the the underpinnings of this of this country, is not the same as saying that America has not lived up. You know, to its ideal, there's something that you know that happened in a point in time. You were saying that the system itself is fundamentally flawed, and dare I say, 
dare I say, for the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement, they would maintain that our ideological system, our system built upon freedom, the American system itself, is in fact the problem. They have said it. They're trained Marxists. That's what Patrice Kohlers has said as she's accumulating houses left and right. <laughs> right? I mean, this is, and again, I have no, I don't care if she has 100 houses, but don't tell me, uh, don't tell me that you're a, a, an avowed Marxist and then accumulating goods and possessions, much like, say, Bernie Sanders and his wife. At least be ideologically pure. You want to, um, you know, live life according to John Lennon and the word in the song Imagine, then put up or shut up. Don't put a put, don't make a house in, in in your name, don't put the deed of the house in your name, just put it to the American people, right? No property, no possessions. Imagine all the people coming together under this wonderful worldview right this is i mean this is how the this is how this is talked about but in practice the problem is the people who run the government end up having a different style and standard of living than the rest of the servants the servant class the the working class the people who provide for the coffers of the government and and communism they're the ones who have to sacrifice so that they can feed the fat cats at the top it's not a complicated thing to see. I mean, it's there for everyone to see. By the way, and I got to take a break. I saw, I saw a state. I'm going to look this up during the break. A state, I think it's Arizona. I think it was Arizona has voted. I think they've passed a law that says schools have to tell the stories of people who have survived communism. And I think, I mean, look, I think that the the idea of that people, students hearing about. Real stories of communism instead of this utopian nonsense, how how it's talked about in academic circles and outside of reality in this just uh, kind of hypothetical world and what it does in reality are totally different. So this, the, uh, the legislature says, fine, you want to talk about all the things that America should be and how it should be more socialist than even communist. How about we bring people in to tell their real stories about what that's like? People from Cuba, people who lived under the uh, behind the Iron Curtain in the Soviet Union. How about we do that? How about we hear the real stories instead of your utopian, nonsensical gibberish and garbage? Quick time out. Listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. By the way, program also brought to you by our friends at Molar Printing. Molar Printing. I know I've known Chuck and Dave. Oh, gee, for I would say over ten years now, maybe close to twelve. They're the owners of Molar Printing, east side of Indianapolis. Commercial printing. Uh, they do. They do some printing for us. Um, we have some materials that we. Uh, you know, when we sit down to talk to potential advertisers and other other things as well, I think we postcards. We've done all sorts of business cards. We just got some new business cards the other day. They help us. They do great work. Great guys. They really are. Just 
truly good good guys and do great work and recommend them molarprinting.com is the website or you can call them 317-353-2224 i'm telling you no job is too big or small for these guys they'll they'll take care of you and again i think the world of these folks and and as i look i i just i i am blessed i tell my wife this when i come home from having meetings I, i have the I am blessed to meet some really great people. I really am. I met some met some great people yesterday. Met some great people on uh, Friday. Just truly blessed. But I want to go back here to this. Uh, I referenced before the break that it is Arizona. Arizona House, just the House now. It moves on to the Senate. Passes a bill requiring schools to share stories from people who fled communism. This is in the Epic Times. The Republican-majority Arizona House on June 25th approved a bill that could mandate that school teachers share stories from people who fled communism as part of their curriculum. Now, it seems to me, if you're a teacher, that this would not be something you had to be told to do if you were being objective and fair. Because the idea that communism has harmed people throughout history, I just it, it's I'm chuckling because the idea that this is not passed on to the next generation. It is mind-boggling to me. I remember, and I've shared this, I think, on here before. When I was in college at Butler, my one of my very last courses that I took was called "Is Capitalism Really Better?" And it was a, I think, a three hundred level class, and there were, uh, there were only eight of us in the class. There were four boys and four girls. I'm just telling you. The facts. I'm not. I'm not insinuating anything when I say this. Just telling you the facts. And at the end of the semester, and the professor, by the way, was a professor who had lived, I think, for some time in the Soviet Union, and a nice guy. I mean, he wasn't. He definitely was uh, showed favorable tendencies towards Soviet communism. But I mean, you know, he. A lot of these folks do it sounds so good and appealing but anyway with the very last class the one of the students said let's take a vote because we did this whole comparison of communism and capitalism and i remember the vote was four to four folks in favor of well you know one over the other it was a tie it did we didn't have a winner four to four communism for capitalism four i guess that went to the tie-breaking vote which would have been the professor who almost certainly would have picked communism so i guess you could say it even lost but you think if if the real stories of communism were told and there's books there's books written in fact i'm looking up here on a bookshelf it may not be on this one but i have a book called fox's book of martyrs fox's book of martyrs now it's about christians who have been killed for their faith but a lot of those stories, I shouldn't say a lot, there's a certain percentage of those stories that happened in the Soviet Union. I'm reminded of one in particular when a group of Christians were taken out during the freezing weather somewhere in Mother Russia out to the frozen pond, um, and they were taken out naked to freeze to death. And the guards took them out there, and the, the Christians started singing hymns to God, and Somewhere along the way, it's a tremendous story, but as the story goes, one of the guards was moved. I think it was just one. It could have been others, but I re- seem to remember one. I haven't read this in years. 
But one of the guards who was tasked with basically standing there while these folks died was so moved by the faith of these folks and the worship of these folks as they stood facing certain death, death by exposure to the elements, stripped down his clothes, took off his clothes, and went and stood with them, suffering the same fate. And some remarkable stories. I'm not taking away from just the power. That's an unbelievable story, right? The power of that story. But that's the kind of stuff that happens. That is systemic problems in the government right there. That is it. That's what it looks like. Taking people out because of their religious beliefs to die a torturous death. Not even just looking for a humane way, which I'm not saying would have been justifiable in this case anyway, but not looking for a way to minimize the suffering. No, no, no. Let's make them pay. Let's send a message to anyone else who may want to go against the state in this particular way. Why not, why not share stories like that? That's, again, that's systemic. That is what a systematic problem looks like. That is evil and wicked. By the government itself, the founding principles and ideas of that government are morally reprehensible. They are. I don't care what they say. They want to look like they're so altruistic. But below the surface, my friends, and you don't have to look very far. Just pull the covers back. You don't have to dig feet. Just dig an inch. This is a wicked ideology. Communism is. But it's talked about as though it's some great force for good and love on this planet and and that this nation is built upon ideas that are reprehensible, which is factually incorrect. And as I always say, I'm not including slavery in that particular part because that part is completely, obviously reprehensible and evil, but that part has been eradicated. Soviet communism embraces the antithesis of ideas that are good, that lead to liberty and choice and opportunity and freedom and humanity being able to live in accordance with its conscience and worship or not worship as it chooses, as we choose. And most stories, more stories about the true communism need to be told. So the Arizona House is, the House anyway, has passed a bill saying teachers are going to have to tell these stories here. People are going to have to hear the stories of people that fled communism. Right, Because that's what they do. People don't flee Constitutional Republic of the United States to go to these other places. They flee these other places. They get on rafts, makeshift rafts, and go across oceans right, from Cuba to the United States to end up here just to have a chance. It doesn't – it's a one-way street, folks. We're not headed back that direction. Quick timeout is in order. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. You remember the whole defund the police movement, right? I mean, it's still a thing. Defund the police. That was going to fix... That was one of the systematic and fundamental problems is law enforcement. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that that's what the the radical left says. And you remember the folks that were calling for this. It was not Republicans. It was, of course, radical left. Not all Democrats. And this is, I think, an important point. 
I, I know that it, for, for simplicity's sake, sometimes it's easier to say the Democrats. And candidly, the people who are elected Democrats are bat crap crazy half the time. Or no, that's not true. 90% of the time. And I get that. But the rank and file are, are not. And I don't have time to get into all that today. But th- there's a lot of normal... I know it can be maddening or confusing to say, how can you support what all these other things are? But a lot of these folks are single issue voters. But this is what Jen Psaki had to say about um, really who is defunding the police. Apparently she says it's Republicans. Here it is. Come on, Jen Soundbite. Let me recue that. Let's try it again. Come on, Jen. The American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president. A lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat in communities across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. So, 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 so. Now we've redefined that. There was literally a whole movement. We had... We had city council members, we've had politicians in all different places literally say defund the police. But instead, and they're all Democrats, instead Jen Psaki thinks or wants you to think she wants to reframe that and say if you didn't vote for the American Rescue Plan because tucked in there somewhere there was funding for local police. That was, again, that was the defund the police movement. Truly insane, completely dishonest, totally untrue, but then again – so is the rest of her press conference. Got to take a break. Back here in just a minute. All right, my friends. Wrapping up here for the day. But look, I mean, this is... We're dealing with a lot here in this in this nation, and you know you got the issues at the moment. There's there's the issues, the way that they're being addressed, like illegal immigration, uh, like the economy, for example. Traditionally, things that are political, but then we've got the ideological problems that run underneath this, and the, the larger um, root causes of that, like Kamala out there looking to decide how to fix the root causes of illegal immigration. But you also have to stop the flow of illegal immigration. we got to do both things. And these these ideas and these problems run deep in education and culture and so forth. So anyway, lots to do. We can pull it off. Sit tight or we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Take care.